Stop 8, Lighthouse. When the East Pier first took shape in the 1820s, the builders placed a wooden beacon at the end to warn shipping. But by 1845, a whole new lighthouse was almost completed. George Halpin was the chief engineer. It was built of granite, and have a guess at how much it cost at the time. £937. The first light on this lighthouse in 1847 was 12,000 candle power, which sounds like a lot. It was 41 feet above high water, but while that might have been strong for its time, by the end of the century in 1892, the City of Dublin Steam Packet Company, which had a monopoly on the Hollyhead Kingstown mail route, was complaining about the poor quality of the harbour lighting. We'll be talking more about mail routes when we come to the Carlisle Pier at Stop 10. So the Commissioners for Irish Lights responded by raising the tower on the lighthouse by 12 feet. This resulted in the lights being, being cast on the Muglin rocks off Dawkey for the first time. There were further improvements as well. The so-called dioptric lighting system was installed. This involved refracting light rays from an oil wick lamp using glass prisms. So they were aimed at the horizon. It wasn't until July 1968 that the East Pier Lighthouse Station switched from vaporised paraffin to electricity and it became unmanned. The strength of the new candle power? 226,000 candles. The 1840s when this lighthouse was built was the golden age of lighthouse building and engineering. There would have been beacons and fires burning around the Irish coast for centuries but in the 1800s there was more and more traffic along the coast, not to mention people who would deliberately lure unsuspecting boats onto rocks in order to wreck them, and of course there was little in the way of a lifeboat service at the time. So a major programme began to build lighthouses at strategic points around the coast and on some of the islands to try and improve safety at sea. Lighthouses call for a very special design and engineering if they're to be effective. They have to be visible at a distance and able to withstand the elements, so most of them were built with thick stone walls and the work tended to attract some of the great engineers of the day, including men like George Halpin, who was responsible for this lighthouse. Another big challenge is the light. The earliest lights would have been coal fires or candles, but these would burn vast amounts of fuel and worse, they could be put out in bad weather by a strong wind or rain, ironically, when they were most needed. In the 19th century, when this lighthouse was built, people were experimenting with new fuels, like gas lights. Today, all the Irish lighthouses are automated, and many of them use renewable energy sources, like wind power and solar power. The lighthouses are operated by the Commissioners of Irish Lights, and their headquarters are nearby, just past the West Pier, in a lovely landmark building that is reminiscent of a lighthouse. But remember, lighthouses are not just about lights, they're about sounds as well, the sound of the foghorn. In 1852, the fog bell here was replaced by a tall wooden belfry with a new bell. This was manually operated, and then that was succeeded by a reed horn, then by the firing of a gun, and in 1907, a mechanised bell was used. And finally, in 1944, they installed a diaphone fog signal. That's a piston driven by compressed air. So while we're still at this stop, a little bit about the battery. Defences were a big issue in the history of this coastline, and back in the Napoleonic era, Martello towers were built all along the coastline, including two in Dunleary, which are now long gone. 
but you'll have noticed the one remaining over at Sandy Cove, which now houses the James Joyce Museum. The battery here was for holding artillery and ammunition with a gun platform on the upper levels. Up until about 1860 it was fully manned. Now it's mainly used for gun salutes. It's one of only two in the state that can be used for such a purpose. This battery never saw enemy action. The highlight of its career, so to speak, so far was when it was decorated in fairy lights to welcome Edward VII and Queen Alexandra on their royal visit to Ireland. Then the royal salute was fired. And now a different subject altogether, literature and our great writers. We'll head back down along the lower level and have a look at the Beckett plaque, which is just below the weather station.